and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. And I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, so whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 5, episode 15. I was made to love you. I was made for loving you, baby. Uh I'm not ready, Kara. I'm not ready for what this episode is opening up to us. <laughs> I can't believe we're here. I know. I never thought we'd reach the day where Xander is the competent one. <laughs> In his mind, especially. <laughs> Maybe this whole episode takes place in Xander's mind. Maybe we've shifted into a parallel universe where Xander's competent and Ugh. none of this is canon. God, I guess that's our cue to head on over to LA and start following Angel. Uh, but yeah, no, this episode, I didn't realize. I think it was you last week. You were like, oh, next week's episode. Oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah. But then I was like, I don't remember what it was. And then you told me and I was like, already? Already? Because <laughs> that means... We have one more episode until something else. Well, and, and, you know, there's something else. And I always forget this, that the something else comes at the end of this episode. Of this episode, which right. is so wild. Uh, so th- I like this episode, to be honest. Like, I think you and I are going to have a lot of things to say about oh, it. Yes, I agree. This is a this it's is funny. a fantastic episode. It is so well written. It's so well acted. Loved it. We're also going to get really angry and ranty. So for those of you who like that, buckle up. Uh, those of you who don't like that, also buckle up. <laughs> buckle up, nonetheless. Um, what 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 the, the 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 things that I was thinking about when I was watching this episode? I just think like Buffy is really processing her breakup in this one, and it's so interesting that they chose for her to like be paralleled to this sex bot <laughs> um, as a way to work through her own feelings about her breakup with Riley. Uh, And that's something I never really thought about that hard before. So I'm excited to unpack it as we go through. Mm -hmm. Let's start. Okay. And and when we start, we cannot forget the epic rant sesh you and I had last week. Previously on Prophecy Girls. (laughs) Spike kidnapped Buffy, more or less, Uh chained her up, almost got her killed. Uh And then she blocked him from entering her house. Yay! Yay. (laughs) And let's all remember, at the end of that episode of Crush, Carr and I, and all of our listeners, I'm sure, agreed to believe Buffy. (laughs) That Buffy didn't like that situation at all. Buffy despises Spike and is revolted that he likes her or that he's in love with her. And that's that's what she says, and we believe her. That's <laughs> that's carrying on with me into this episode for sure, because Buffy is punching um, some sort of bag at the magic box gym, and she's talking to Giles, and she's like, "Oh, Spike, Spike wants me. How obscene is that?" And she's ranting, and Giles says, "I can't imagine what he's thinking. Like, not that you're not attractive or anything." Um, and Buffy's like, "I feel gross, you know, dirty." And Giles is like, you can't be responsible for for what Spike thinks or feels. And Buffy says, aren't I responsible? Something about me had to make him feel that, right? Something that makes him go, ooh, that's the one for me. And she continues to punch that bag really hard. 
Giles says, well, you should calm down. And it turns out that Xander is inside that suit. It's like a bear suit. <laughs> I don't know why he has to be in it. You know what I mean? Like, there's no real need for him to stand in it, but whatever. He knows what he did. Yeah, always use Xander as a punching bag, in my opinion. Um, and he says, me too. And Buffy's like, oh, Puffy Xander, I'm so sorry. I guess I got carried away. Are you okay? And he says, I'm alive. I can tell because of the pain. So Xander, you deserve this pain because... <laughs> Ooh, this is... <laughs> I know, I know. Let the let's, ranting let's, begin. Let's, let's, get, let's get a little bit further into the seat. I know exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> Buffy helps him lean against the wall. Giles goes to get some ice for him. Um, and she says, that's my secret to attracting men. It's simple, really. You slap them around a bit. You torture them, make their lives a living hell. And sure, the nice guys, they'll run away. But every now and then, you come across a real prince of a guy like Spike who gets off on it. And Xander says, the problem is not you. Don't do this to yourself, please. Can I rant yet, or are we going to keep going? <laughs> I think we should go just a little further. Okay, okay, okay. Bobby says she wants to know what there's going to be, when there's going to be another good one, and one that I won't chase away. And Xander says there will be. I promise he could come along any minute. And Buffy says, yeah, and the minute after that, I could scare him off with my alarming strength and remarkable self-involvement. Xander says, I don't think you're like that. And Buffy says, I could change. I could work harder. I could spend less time slaying. I could laugh at his jokes. Men like that, right? The joke laughing. And Xander says, or maybe you can just be Buffy and he'll see your amazing heart and he'll fall in love with you. And Buffy gets like, touched by that she's like xander that's a whole xander and she hugs him and he's like oh sure this is the day you choose to hug me okay steph you have been remarkably restrained go <laughs> fuck you xander <laughs> <laughs> shut up xander shut the fuck up xander um the reason a big reason why buffy is feeling this way is because of you and what you told her in Into the Woods. And also that conversation she had with Joyce and Willow last week when they're like, are you sure it's not something you did, Buffy? Are you sure you weren't leading Spike on? And then Xander the week before or two weeks before was like, Buffy, you're the reason Riley's leaving. It's nothing to do with Riley. You better chase that guy because you're never getting another one like him ever again in your life. You are spoiled goods, Buffy. <laughs> so when Buffy repeats that back to him here, right? What if he's this is the only good guy that'll ever come along? He's like, no, don't think that way. The next guy's coming along any minute. Xander, that's not what you told her. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so clearly this is meant to be a touching scene. We got the the girl talk between Buffy and Xander. My notes was, you know, well done, Xander. Uh, you went an entire scene without making this about you. Oh, 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 oh. Never mind, never right? Mind. Because just as we get to the end of the scene, and you know, I, and I completely agree with you, Steph, that everything you say is accurate, but. If we just kind of like conveniently have amnesia for the last several episodes, then yeah, this is a very touching moment. Sure. Until Xander's like, oh, now you choose to hug me. And he makes this, it's this gross joke of like, <laughs> you're going to get off of, on Buffy hugging you for comfort? When you're the reason she's uncomfortable with her situation. Uh. Make it about you more, Xander. Well, yeah. And like Buffy is saying here, right? When she's saying my alarming strength and my remarkable self-involvement. Buffy, no. 
No, your mom was dying. Your mom was dying. I know Xander made you feel bad about that, but don't because that was legit reason to be self-involved at that time period in your life. And then Buffy goes on to say like she wants to start changing herself to suit men. And that's also Xander's fault, in my opinion. (laughs) And not to mention, she's second guessing her behavior because her mother and her friend were kind of just like, ooh, Buffy, are you sure that this isn't kind of on you? So like Buffy needs better support system right now. Giles did a good job. He left really quickly after you know, the beginning a little bit. <laughs> this whole episode is Giles noping out of the Buffy situation. <laughs> did you notice that? Yeah. He, he very firmly draws a line to the sad with everybody who tries to bring this up with him. He's just like, I am not touching this. I'm not here for the bullshit. All right. <laughs> um, Xander asks Buffy if she ever thinks that the reason she hasn't had a great relationship on the Hellmouth is because it's a Hellmouth. Seems like it's a pretty terrible place to build anything. Excuse me, Xander? What what does this mean about your relationship with Anya? You're literally building a relationship with Anya on the Hellmouth. Do you think that's not going well? Well, You're telling on yourself, Xander. Xander, I think you say too much in what you're saying here because this episode is not about Xander and Anya in any way. It's about Xander and Buffy, if you notice. Like, there's a lot of Buffy and Xander love oh, in this episode. Oh, I have thoughts on that for later. Yes. I've got thoughts. <laughs> I've got I've got a suspicion as to why they're doing that. But, um, yeah, Buffy keeps hugging him. She just loves Xander. He's such a good friend to her. He's always supportive, never throws it in her face or slut chains her or makes her feel bad for her decisions. So we cut to Sunnydale Main Street. A guy's dropping off a pretty girl in a pink floral dress. And he's like, are you sure you want to get out here? Like, what are you looking for in Sunnydale anyway? And the girl says, true love. And we cut to credits. So I love the scene. The scene is so cute. Uh, Joyce is spinning around at the summer's home. Dawn and Buffy are assessing her outfit and her look. And uh, she's got a new dress on. Her hair looks great. No more bandanas. Makeup's on. She looks hot as hell. And um, they're teasing her, right? They're messing with her, making her turn around over and over again. And Joyce is like worried that the dress looks too momish. And I was like, no, Joyce, you look hot <laughs> to trot. You look That's so good. That's what Poppy says. <laughs> yeah. She says it's sexy. It screams, Randy, sex kit, buy me one drink and I'll... Oh, wait. <laughs> She's like, That's no good either. So... It's 4.23 in the afternoon. So Joyce is high. <laughs> Joyce, Joyce has been high for three minutes. Yeah. And then she came out sort of spinning. And they're like, oh, you want us to look at the dress? And she, her date's not until seven. She's going on a date, everybody. She's a single lady and she deserves a night out. And she's broken up with that bleach blonde vampire who kidnapped her daughter the day before. So she's going on a cute date. And um, this guy's name is Brian. And Buffy is so cute. She's like, what's his intentions, right? And Joyce tells the story of how they met. And something remarkable to me, Kara, is that she met Brian at the gallery, right? But Brian works at a publishing house. Right? Okay, <laughs> what? Let's, let's hold on for a moment to this. So pause Sunnydale right there. Has a publishing house Pause, pause, now? pause. Sunnydale has its own publisher. <laughs> right? So I know you used to work in the publishing industry staff, so you could probably speak to this more than I can. But my understanding is publishers are generally located in very large cities. Yes. 
Absolutely. <laughs> you can have you can a you can have small distributors. You can have small publishing houses. I'm I'm sure right. in communities. Maybe this is a small press, but even then. But even then, I was like Joyce, though. Like, can he afford dinner? <laughs> because <laughs> publishing independent publishers do not make a lot of money. They're in it for the love of books. That's why we support them. It's okay, Joyce is clearly loaded because she keeps being able to pay to get this house repaired. So it's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. Um, I, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Most publishing houses tend to be in big central cities. So uh, Joy, the, yeah, Joyce tells the story of how she how they met, but then she gets really nervous and she starts like babbling. She's like, they're, they're going to go to dinner in a movie or a movie at, or dinner. Like, what's the better choice? Like, which way should we go about it? Should we go to the movie first so that we can talk about it at dinner? And should the restaurant be romantic? Or sh- am I pushing it? Like, should I let him decide? Buffy, what do you think? It's so adorable. And she's also like obviously spinning out because she's high. But um, this is so relatable. It's so relatable. Like, these are conversations that a lot of people would have about a first date. You get nervous. You're like, what's the best format, <laughs> right? Like, what, do you go for the movie first? And it's cute that she's asking her daughters, right? I know. And they're so they're so supportive. They're so supportive of this. Because remember, fuck Hank. <laughs> yeah, I, think our, I think our theme of this episode, right, is that so many of the men in Buffy are terrible. And although Hank is not in this episode... In person, he is with us in spirit. So fuck him in absentia. <laughs> I hope you heard that. I hope you hear this podcast, Hank. So so Buffy says she's not the love doctor. Because don't forget, Buffy's single. And when Buffy's single for more than three or four episodes, she gets very melancholy about it. So Buffy says she's not qualified to give dating advice. She's had exactly two boyfriends and they've both left. Really left. Left town left. And Joyce says, oh, you just had some bad luck. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Okay, sorry. Maybe we shouldn't be hard on Joyce because, you know, she's still recovering or whatever. But, like, we we were critical of Xander, and then we kind of touched on the whole Joyce-Buffy thing. Let's just take a moment and be like, Joyce, she didn't just have bad luck. You have also given her bad advice recently. (laughs) And I know that wasn't about Riley leaving town. I know Joyce had other things going on. But, like, it's not just bad luck. One of the reasons Buffy feels this way right now is because you did not support her in the last episode. It's true. And she also, when you think about it, remember when Buffy was talking to her mom, getting her mom wigs and stuff, and Joyce was like, aren't you going to hang out with Riley tonight? And Buffy's like, no, you just got out of surgery. I'm hanging out with you. And Joyce was like, are you sure? So like, Joyce was also putting Riley's needs above Buffy's at that point but i don't want to hate on joyce you know what that's fair joyce gets a free pass from me no reason at all why joyce gets a free pass from me this this episode we came down on her hard last episode but not this one (laughs) so don mentions that buffy's going to spring break party tonight Ooh, spring break party and um maybe she'll meet someone there and buffy's like maybe brian has a son and me and mom can go on some unspeakably awkward double dates (laughs) that was a good joke i mean buffy you don't know it but that's already happened (laughs) are you talking about spoys (laughs) yes how do we know Brian exists and it's not just Spike <laughs> taking her? Spike's not that clever. Also, she's moved on from Spike. It's done. Joyce says, what time is it now? And they're like, it's 424. She's like, man, time moves so differently when you're high. And Joyce asks about her dress again. And they're like, spin around again. It's cute. It's so cute. 
I just love that Joyce. Joyce looks fantastic in this episode. In this scene, this is a great scene for for Joyce. Indeed. So we have Anya and a Tara scene, which we so rarely get. They are walking down Sunnydale campus. You know, maybe somewhere near Rugs Field. <laughs> Possibly. I miss Sunnydale campus. We don't spend enough time on on campus anymore. Yeah. Um, Tara is talking to Anya about computers, of all things, and saying that she's not good with computers. Uh, and Anya says, well, you know, I'm an 1100-year-old ex-demon. I had trouble adjusting uh, to the idea of Lutherans <laughs> on all computers. Do you know what Lutherans are? Lutherans? Isn't that a religion? It's a denomination of Christianity, yeah. Yeah. So, quick history with Kara. History with Kara. For a while, most of Christianity was Catholicism. Not all of it, but most of it. There were there were offshoots. Um, but it was mostly, you know, if you were Christian, you would subscribe to Catholicism. Um, and then they decided to fork the project, if, you know, a little bit of open source coding lingo there, through a process called the Reformation. That's the Protestant Reformation. The Protestants were protesting against uh, Catholicism, against what they saw as church overreach. And one of the ringleaders of this was this priest named Martin Luther. He uh, he produced these theses. He famously nailed them to a church door. And so one of the denominations of Protestantism uh, is called Lutheranism. And mm. so, you know, Anya's reminding us that she predates the uh, Christian Reformation. Wow. And this would be a really good time to bring up the age gap conversation, Kara, except I'm not <laughs> going to because I am never talking about the age gap ever That's again fair. for this That's show. That's fair. <laughs> sensitive subjects here. I just, hey, I'm just saying Anya's quite old and Xander's only 20. So like, what's what, what's up with oh, that? We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> we're okay. not talking about it. We're not talking about it. So Tara and Anya are talking computers and Tara says, everyone's spelling is really bad online. It's depressing. True. Which, yes, this is true. Including mine. <laughs> uh, Anya says that she's been online trading, as in money. <laughs> yeah. She took the money that she earned at the magic box and she tripled it. And Tara, she's, Tara's so cute. She's like, money, you mean money? And then money, money, money? <laughs> uh, and so before Tara can get any pointers on how to do online day trading, which Good for you, Anya. Yeah. Like, you go, girl. Uh, yeah. Especially because this is this is earlier days of online training on the web, right? It's so easy these days. There's apps for it. Like, anybody can do it. Anya's, like, must really be, like, you know, getting into it. And she actually was giving Tara pointers on, like, you know, you don't go for the big tech companies, right? You're not going to go for your Apple or your Microsoft. You should go for the the suppliers right the smaller supply companies which is actually a really good tip especially since this is just after the dot-com bubble burst Anya knows her stuff mm -hmm. so good for I her I suspect that's probably how she was helping support herself when she wasn't doing anything except for watching Xander dig right that's a good point and uh we, we st we're still unclear on if she has her own place right so they're continuing to walk down the path and they get stopped by um an unassuming looking girl in a uh, very like pink floral dress. She's brunette. Yeah, the girl we saw at the beginning. Yeah. This actress, her name is Shonda Farr. And I want her audition story because I feel like it's probably it, it's probably going to involve something creepy with Joss Whedon where he's like, I'm auditioning the girl who plays a sex bot of Warren, a.k.a. My Dreams. So I just I'd be very curious to hear that story. Shonda, come be on the podcast. Tell us your story. So 
this girl is very bubbly and she says hi to Tara and Anya. And they're confused. So Anya's like, hi. Because <laughs> she knows what she's supposed to do. She knows the script. And this girl in the pink dress says, I'm looking for Warren. Do you know where Warren is? If you do, could you tell me? And Tara apologizes, says they don't know Warren. And the girl says, alrighty, no harm in asking. Thanks. Oh, you do a really good job of that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> get an impression of her. Uh, so then she, she goes past them, but she immediately stops at the next person she sees, which is a random guy sitting on a bench. And she says the exact same thing. Do you know Warren? I need to find him. And Tara and Anya don't think of this. The guy on the bench is just like, nope, sorry. Um, and they go back to talking about the computer. Totally normal. Having a normal day. I'm sure. I hope this girl finds Warren, right? Yep. Me too. Uh, let's go to the party, the spring break party, which is like, I guess, Hawaiian themed. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Buffy and Xander are dancing together. Ugh. What is this? And actually, this actually. So when we said earlier about like Xander and Buffy scenes together, I'm getting such a nice guy complex from Xander from the last couple scenes that we've seen him in this one and the next one and the, and the first one just in that like what does the nice guy do he stands around waits in the wings and then proves to the girl that like looks like you really need a nice guy once she gets dumped right they sneak on in there when they're vulnerable and I'm like it's, I get that vibe from Xander here I know he's with Anya I know that he's supposed to come off as like a nice friend in all this situation, but it's the way he acted when Riley first broke up with her. Agreed. Like, I just, I get that feeling. Ugh. So Xander is, he's like having fun. And Buffy's like, dancing with you is way more fun than hooking up with some good looking guy. Like that's classic, nice guy talk, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what? You've always been there for me, Xander. <laughs> so Xander says he liked it better when she was kicking him in the puffy groin. We did too, Xander. <laughs> Xander, that was, yeah, that was your purpose this episode. To the side, Anna is talking to Taryn Willow and she's saying, I'm letting them dance together. <laughs> like, and she's doing that because she expects a big karmic reward any second now for allowing her boyfriend to dance with Buffy. The song ends, Xander goes, and Buffy notices Ben, the sexy murdering intern. Oh, okay. I, I wasn't expecting the murdering part. We're, <laughs> we're updating the description as we go. By the end of this season, it's going to be very long. The Ben, the sexy, murdering, somehow connected to Glory intern. And um, he's at this party. Why? <laughs> how old is he? When you're an intern well, he, on the well, hospital, how old are you? In this scene, he's Ben, the sexy, murderer, plainclothes intern, right? Yes, yes, exactly. But I love this. Buffy pretends to casually stand by herself near him. It's so cute. <laughs> it's, I noticed yeah. that too. And again, like, I don't get this stuff most of the time, yeah, but it was yeah. so obvious. And I'm just like... Okay, okay. <laughs> Turn it on, girl. She's like, I don't want to be the just to go right up to him. Like he has to come to me. <laughs> but I saw him first. So funny. So he calls her over, right? And they have a little bit more flirty conversation about his clothes once again. And again, because Buffy feels like she needs to change who she is to appease men and make a man stay and like her, she like laughs at jokes that aren't funny and she's being very fake in that way. And um it seems to work on him, unfortunately. Ben is like into talking to her and she asks if he wants to dance. And he says, I'm no good with rhythm. But then he's like, sure, uh, I'd love to. And then he goes, he like goes away. <laughs> he goes away for a bit. And um, Xander is talking to Anya about check picks or something. The girl in the pink walks in to the room and Xander uh, stops like talking to Anya and he's just like, whoa, who's that? And the girl's calling for Warren. 
And Anya says, oh, Tara and I met her. She speaks with strange evenness and selects her words to a shade too precisely. And Xander says, some of us like that kind of thing in a girl. And I think you could, again, you could look at that line and be like, oh, Xander, that's a nice thing to say to your girlfriend. But right before that, he was checking on another girl in front of his girlfriend. <laughs> so the girl is shouting again for Warren. And then we see a man uh, with brown hair. And a dweeby look, run over to another girl. And he's like, we got to go. She'll see me. And the girl's like, who's we? What's up, Warren? And he's like, doesn't matter. Pulls her away. That's Warren, I'm guessing. Good call. Yes, I feel that's probably who he is. So Willow comes over and Anya says, Xander got hypnotized by the strange girl. I'm remaining calm, however. And Xander says, I don't know what you're talking about, but here she comes. So the girl comes over and she asks if Warren's there. And Xander's like, who's like Warren who? And she's like, he's... Warren, and he's looking for me. He lost me. And then she walks away. And Tara comes over. She's like, is that the same girl? <laughs> like, she's been doing this all day. And Willow notes that she talks funny. Hello. And Tara says, let's hope she finds him. Uh, Xander says, that's a girl. A girl that looks like that is not going to be lonely for too long. Shut up, Xander. So I think Willow and Xander are being very unfair here, right? Criticizing this girl for talking funny. And then, of course, Sandra's just being a creepy perv. Not surprised by that. No. And also, then then Willow also mentions that, like, the girl is very good looking. And Tara gives her a look. And Willow's, not, you know, not me. I was just saying a pretty girl like that. There's always someone lurking around looking for some action. So on one hand, <sighs> I'm like, that is that the first time Willow's checked out another woman on the show that's not Tara? I think so. Yeah. It, which is interesting. And then, but on the other hand, like you're saying, I'm with you. Xander and Willow... Your partners are right there. And I don't know. I just think it's insensitive to check out other people in front of your partner. Maybe maybe that's the kind of relationship you have and you're secure in that. That's fine. But I still think it's insensitive, right? You don't have to say it. You could think it. But I don't know if you have to like bring it up like that. So Buffy's waiting for Ben to do... I put in my notes to do what exactly? I think he's like, I got to go get rid of my drink. <laughs> and then I, but I think he comes back later with his number. So that probably explains that. But like still... Who approaches Buffy? Spike. What's he doing here? Don't know. Um, he approaches and says, small world. And then Buffy glares at him. So he's like, oh, dear. If looks could stake. Are you having fun, pet? Patrolling for your next ex? Gotta say, you, you could do better. And Buffy says, I told you. And Spike says, thought I was going to leave town? It's a free country, free party. If you want me to leave, you can put your hands on my hot, tight little body and make me. Buffy says, get away from me. And she's so serious about it. And Spike hears this and he walks away as Ben comes back. Ben is like, oh, is he bothering you? Should I offer to get an inappropriate, get inappropriately violent? <laughs> and <laughs> he's hot though. So we let him. <laughs> and Buffy says, no. <laughs> and he's like, okay, good. Cause I didn't want to. And uh, like, are they ready to dance? He's like, we're ready to dance. Except first. I was going to subtly work my phone number into the conversation, but that didn't pan out. So I thought I'd just give it to you before we danced in case you want to get coffee. And Spike is lurking in the background, listening to this happen. And Buffy is flattered, right? And then she just stares at it and she kind of goes on a spiral where she's like, I have this bad history of we get coffee and then one, then you end up leaving town. <laughs> and he's like, you just got here. <laughs> He's like, I really like coffee. I think coffee might be worth it. And would I would like to get to know coffee better. So is coffee Buffy in this situation? Absolutely. Yeah. He's like, don't oh. worry, because that's that's the 
that's the the pun the the metaphor right because buffy's like eh, coffee's a big deal and she's mm-hmm. he's like i think coffee would be worth it i.e you're super hot and cute and i would love to get to know you and it is actually pretty smooth in my opinion i but yeah hey i'm already okay. in there i'm already in it so <laughs> buffy says then i'll call you and spike looks pissed at this because spike feels entitled to buffy or something so he goes and he goes and hits on the girl in the pink and he's like um tr- he's clearly trying to make buffy jealous and buffy does glance over at spike at one point to see who he's talking to but i'm also interpreting that as buffy is just keeping tabs on her stalker right like wouldn't you absolutely <laughs> so the girl she says i'm april i'm looking for my fella and he's like maybe you just found him and she's like, where? And Spike whispers in her ear and she goes, oh, and she grabs him, lifts him up over her head and <laughs> throws him through the window. <laughs> well, she, she says, that would be wrong. You're not my boyfriend. And we're, <laughs> we're, we're seeing some genuine emotion from her at this point, not just like chirpiness. Yeah. Um, what do you think Spike whispered to her? Um... I don't know. I cuz I don't think the way Spike thinks. He definitely something sexual, <laughs> right. right? I think something about like, you know, you and I can like get out of here together and <laughs> I don't know. So, yes, insert something sexual. Ride right in my in my Cadillac, something something like that. <laughs> why are we so bad at pick up pick why, up why yeah, why can't I hit on April? I'm really bad at it. Um <laughs> I'm really good at hitting on Ben, though. So the, yes, enti- you are. the entire party stops. Music stops. The music stop turns off. It's a big deal. And Spike stands up. So It's so funny. He's got, like, cuts on his face, and he's like, bloody hell, you threw me through a window. What's that about? <laughs> and the girl says, you cannot make these suggestions to me. I have a boyfriend. Warren is my boyfriend. And Spike's like, my bleeding sympathies to Warren. And he goes. So... The girl turns around and she's like, no one but Warren can touch me. And she starts to walk away and Buffy approaches her. And I really love this because Buffy says, hi, uh, maybe you and I could talk because, you know, throwing Spike through a window. Well, actually, that's really good. <laughs> and then she's like, but, but you, you, you know, generally speaking. And April says, uh, do you know my boyfriend? And Buffy says, I think you need to take a second and stop looking for your boyfriend. And April throws Buffy across the room and she says, I have to find him. But then it's interesting because April exhibits some remorse over that. And she goes to Buffy and she says, if I hurt you just now, I am sorry. I hope that your boyfriend will take good care of you. And she leaves. Oh, dear. Um, I do have to say, for the second episode in a row, Spike has been beat up by a girl. This is the good place. This is this is the place that we are happy to be in. <laughs> I'm enjoying that. Yeah. Um, Whenever Spike gets beat up, it's always hilarious. So cut to the Scoobies debriefing about what just happened in front of all of them. Uh, and Buffy is a little frustrated. She's like, I've had it with super strong little women who aren't me. <laughs> Fair. Yep. Fair. Get it. We've You know, we've, we've had faith and glory ahead like... All of these people coming into Sunnydale. And Xander cannot shut up about the window. Which comes back later in this episode. And again, I have thoughts. (laughs) I have thoughts on that too. (laughs) He's talking about the window damage. He's like, like, wow, I'm the grown-up who sees the world through my job. Like my Uncle Dave, the plumber. And he's like, I must be shunned. Sure. Sure. What do you think, Steph? Shall we shun him? Well, I don't want to shun him because... How would I put this? So he brings up his his uncle, the plumber, 
And you and I talked a long time ago, before they graduated high school, about how mm -hmm. Xander comes from a different class than the others, right? Mm -hmm. He had to go to work quicker than the others. And we know that his family is that working class family, right? Like his one uncle's a taxidermist or something. This one is obviously a plumber. So they have these more tradesmen kind of roles. And that's exactly what Xander has found himself in. I don't know. I like, It's hard because I hate Xander so much. But I do kind of, I do kind of support him embracing his job. As, as funny as you and I found it, because it happened so very quickly, I think him saying like, oh, I should be shunned just like my Uncle Dave and his plumbing job. It's like, well, you, you should be proud of the work that you do. You should be glad that you found an employment or um, a career that is supporting you and making you feel fulfilled and like you know something that other people don't. I think that's a good thing because everyone else is in university. That is a really good point. That is uh, an unexpectedly sympathetic reading of this moment that I was not expecting from you. <laughs> oh, it's, the, it's the baby. <laughs> the baby doesn't know better. <laughs> is the baby giving you a soul? <laughs> yeah. Get it out. I'm like Darla. Get it out. <laughs> Slight spoilers there. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm, I don't think you're wrong. I just... I'm just enjoying making fun of Xander. Oh, the Xander slander is strong. We'll, we'll make fun of him later in this episode, for sure, for something about this window. <laughs> so Buffy's saying, you know, I kind of... Does anybody else get the impression that she's... Uh, and then, this is so funny, everybody at the same time says, robot? <laughs> oh, it's a ro oh, for sure, it's a robot. <laughs> Which, okay, so I get how everybody, how most of them know about Ted, right? Mm-hmm. But Anya and Tara weren't there for that. Right. So is, do they just know about robots? Like, did somebody fill them in on all the previous episodes? Did yeah, they watch someone, the previous episodes? Someone gave seasons one to three to Did they Tara. read Giles' diary? <laughs> Giles like... is like, don't read the parts right here about bad candy. <laughs> Skip that chapter. I think if anyone told them about Ted, it was Joyce. Joyce would have been like this one. That's Last fair. time I went on a date, you guys, it was this guy. Let me tell you about the time <laughs> that Buffy killed my date. <laughs> Where I thought Buffy murdered my boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> so they talk about Warren and how he must be the guy who built her. And then Willow's like, it's an unusual name. <laughs> okay, but is it Willow? Because Willow's an unusual name. To, <sighs> but like Warren is very basic in it's my opinion. Yeah, I know so and, many Warrens. And Warren is uh, something that you know, rabbits build. They're both <laughs> things from nature. Come on. Um, so Buffy asks, like, can we track Warren down with only a first name? And Willow says, you know, sure, it'll take time. Uh, they can narrow it down by getting a list of all the Sunnydale students named Warren. Um, but she can't do that until tomorrow. And Anya points out that this April girl could do a lot of damage before then. And Xander says, to who? Spike? See how vigorously I don't care. <laughs> that was a good line. I'll give yeah, that. Yeah, that's good. I, I, fine, Xander, fine. Yeah. <laughs> Buffy smiles. She liked that too. Yeah. And then Xander adds, you know, she was looking for Warren, but she didn't want to hurt him. He, he was her boyfriend. And Buffy says, you know, we'll track Warren down tomorrow, tonight. I'm going to rescue Giles, who's watching Dawn while my mom's on her date. There's only so much he can take. <laughs> and Tara says, oh, Giles and Donnie, I bet they're having a blast. <laughs> cut to Giles who's like dear god Buffy there's only so much I can take <laughs> <laughs> which the way you read it it sounds like you made up that line 
Anybody who's not watched this episode in a while, I promise you that line is in there and it's exactly a Steph Reddit. That's how he said it. Because he's it's like perfect. at the door, he's ready to bolt. Like we said earlier, he's like, I am so out of here. And he says, we have to, we're going to have to change the system. Okay. 14 years old. It's too old to be babysat. It's not fair on Dawn. <laughs> I love, I love the, the whole, like the system, you know, and <laughs> it's it's such a nice shout out to the whole like it takes a village to raise a child thing right where it's like especially for somebody like joyce who's a single mom she relies on other adults and trusted people in her network to support her and her children and that's what giles is doing in this role and i mean obviously there's now the added threat of glory so i don't know if there was more babysitting happening before or if they trusted dawn and but now she's kind of on lockdown because of the whole glory situation it's not really explored well it's interesting that they seem to care more about dawn being left home alone at the beginning of the season before they knew she was being hunted by this evil god but now mm-hmm. they're like i was like i cannot do this again <laughs> uh so <laughs> Buffy says, what did she make you do? And he says, we listened to aggressively cheerful music sung by people chosen for their ability to dance. And then we ate cookie dough and talked about boys. <laughs> Giles, that sounds amazing. Uh, Buffy laughs. And then she says, well, her night involved watching a robot throw Spike through a window. So if you want to trade, no, wait, I wouldn't give that memory up for anything. <laughs> and Giles is interested in the robot, of course. And Buffy says, well, we're going to work it on in the morning. But if you want to stay, you and I could start going over it now. And Joyce is coming in from her date. And she says, who wants to hear everything? <laughs> and Buffy's like, listen, or you can stay and listen to my mom talk about boys. And Giles is like, right, must go. See you tomorrow. Bye, Joyce. <laughs> and he just leaves. <laughs> Joyce tells Buffy that she forgot how much fun dating could be. And Buffy says, I didn't see Prince Charming. I didn't even see a goodnight kiss. So it all looked pretty tame to me. And Joyce says, to your standards, it could seem pretty. Oh, dear. I left my bra in his car. Joyce. (laughs) Joyce. That was a joke. That was a joke. And Buffy's like, mother, you're... (laughs) She's like, don't worry. I'm just joking. (laughs) And Buffy's like, good God, that's horrible. Don't do that. (laughs) If only only she could have added after that. I didn't wear one to begin with. (laughs) No wonder our Joyce. And Joyce is like, I left you to the restaurant. And Buffy runs upstairs screaming. She's like, no more, no more. And Joyce is like, oh, on the dessert Uh, cart. It's wholesome. It's adorable. That makes everything that happens after worse. What happens after? (laughs) You mean nothing? This is the last episode of the entire series? Next, we have April walking door to door at three <laughs> o'clock in the morning, asking people who are not particularly amused to be waken up, woken up. Does Warren live here? <laughs> She's canvassing the neighborhood. <laughs> Do you know Warren? <laughs> so, okay, Scoobies are at the magic shop the next day, and Giles is um, saying, are you sure it's a robot? And Tara says, she practically had genuine molded plastic stamped on her ass. And everyone's like, whoa. And Tara's <laughs> like, scratch. And Tara's like, just trying a little spicy talk. <laughs> I love I that like for it. her. I love it. I love it for her. Good for her. <laughs> that sounds wrong. Uh, Willow said, hasn't found, has found nothing on the Warrens in Sunnydale. <laughs> Can you believe this, Kara? She said, there's one. There was one. And he left. <laughs> I can't. Uh, that's like being like, oh, I can only find so many Jeffs in this, in this city. Sunnydale has. Where are all Jeff. the Rachels? Sunnydale has like 12 cemeteries. 
multiple high schools, <laughs> an airport, docks, bus station, and train station. <laughs> but one Warren, and he left. Kate, this is ridiculous. They could have picked a different name, like a name that doesn't exist. Like Joss, that could have been the name. And like, there's only one. Oh, oh my goodness. I don't know why this is so fun. Because it's hilarious. Oh. Like, what a strange name. <laughs> what? So Xander says, whoever he is knows his stuff. That girl. Well, that was a nice looking girl. We get it, Xander. Oh. You said this already. You're horny for the robot. Okay, we get it. <laughs> Go home. <sighs> And again, Anya says it's okay for him to say that because I know that he really loves only me. Ugh, Anya, you don't have to be okay with that, Anya. At this point, because no, he clearly, keeps... she's clearly not okay with it. Yeah, but she's like trying to convince herself she is because she can't lose the man because then she'd be like Buffy all used up and single. So Tara asks if Giles has books on robots and Giles makes a joke like saying like, uh, yeah, yeah, I've got a mount of research we got going. And then he's like, haha, no, like I just like to watch Xander squirm. And I was like, this is a weird little exchange between Xander and Giles. But Willow has found Warren. Thank God. His name's Warren Mears. He went to Sunnydale like, High with them. Do you think Willow was just going online and messaging people saying, do you know Warren? Yeah, she's pulling April, but like online instead. And she got results much quicker. <laughs> but hey, she found him. She found the only Warren in town. And he went to Sunnydale with them. Uh, Sunnydale High with them for one semester and then he goes to the tech college over in Dutton. So he's staying with his parents right now. His folks live in town. They're probably home for spring break. So Buffy says, okay, I'll go talk to him. Just like, no, because we don't know what you're walking into. We have no idea what his motives are for building this thing. And Tara's like, don't you think she's just... And Will's like, she's just sort of a... And Xander says, she's a sex bot. I mean, what guy doesn't dream about that? Beautiful girls with no other thought than to please you, willing to do anything. <sighs> Shut the fuck up, Xander. Um, all the girls are staring at Xander. They're doing what you and I just did. We're just like, what? <laughs> yeah, the listeners couldn't see it, but I was... Uh... Biting my tongue, quite literally. Yeah. Uh, he says, too many girls. I miss Oz. He'd get it. He wouldn't say anything, but he'd get it. Fuck you, me, slandering Oz's name like that. Excuse you, Sander. <laughs> he wouldn't say anything, but he'd get it? No. I think he would say something. I think he'd say something very, like, quiet but deep about it. He would never agree with Xander here because he's smarter than that. Um this takes me all the way back to some assembly required in season two when Xander was sympathizing with those boys who would take dead body parts of teen girls to create a new teen girl for their dead brother to fuck. That is that is what this is reminding me of. When you and I were just like, Xander, shut up. <laughs> like, shut up. Mm -hmm. Stop trying to get into the mind space of these creepy men. Even though you don't need to get into the mind space because you're already there. So, Joss Whedon, I also want to call out you for being the creepiest of creeps for this. Uh, the sex bot is so rapey. It's such a it's such a creepy idea. And Kara, like I don't I don't know about you. I, we're not here to shame sex toys, right? This is not what this is about. It's when the sex toy is like a human in this way. I mean, maybe this is a conversation a little bit too early. We can have this a little bit later in the episode, but. I just wanted to make it clear. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna have several conversations. Trust, I've got I've got thoughts on this going for days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just just like a normal sex toy is fine. I think it's awful. We even just have to say yes. that this is rapey. I think this should be 
a foregone conclusion here. It's not, though, Kara. It's not. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Anya says, why would anyone want to do that when they could get a real person? Willow says, maybe he couldn't find a real live person. Buffy's like, come on, the guy is a big wedge of sleaze. Don't make excuses for him. Boom, Buffy. Willow says, I'm just saying people get lonely and maybe having someone around, even someone you made up, makes it easier. And Tara's like, it's weird because everyone wants a nice person to share with. But this guy, if he couldn't find it, I guess it's kind of (sighs) sad. Oh, we'll get there. I know it's too early for me to like kind of go off on that line. <laughs> wait, hold, just hold, hold, Steph. I really want to unleash all through this episode, but we got to wait a little bit. <laughs> We're getting there. It's going to be worth it, everybody. It's going to be worth it. So <laughs> having had this meeting, Buffy's like, you know what? You know what would really make this day better is if I took a moment to try calling Ben. <laughs> Sorry, Ben, the sexy intern murderer playing clothes. Ben, the sexy. I can't do it. You do it. Ben, the sexy, murdering, somehow related to Glory, normal clothes wearing intern. She's going to call him because she's actually heard what the Scoobies are saying about how sad it is to be lonely. And she's like, well, I've got a, I've got a boy's number. So she's going to go call him. She's like, she, she's, she's weighing her options. She's like, sex bot, <laughs> boy. Coffee. Sex bot, coffee. So, what do I do? Um, so she's calling Ben and he's not picking up. Meanwhile, we we cut to Glory, who's changing into Ben. Do you remember this stuff from Blood Ties? Wait, are you are they connected in some way? <laughs> I think so. Oh. Uh, something's happening. Yeah. So as the phone's ringing, this person who is now Ben picks up the phone, um, and he's like, "Oh, I just got in. You know, night shift at the hospital. Glad you called." And Buffy says, "Well, you know, about coffee." And he says, "Yes, coffee would be great tomorrow night." Bye. <laughs> Like, so abrupt. <laughs> he hangs up. He's all happy with himself. And then he looks down. And right now, up until this point, the camera's being a close-up on his face, his upper body. So we don't really see what he's wearing. And then it cuts to a wide shot. And he's still wearing Lori's red dress. Haha. My question is, what is the hookup with Ben at the hospital that he can just, like, transform? Like, I'm assuming he's transforming into Glory often. And then he's not doing his shifts. Like, he's not... At the hospital when he needs to be, or he leaves mid shift or maybe, something. Maybe Glory always calls in sick for him. Like this, <laughs> this is what I get: is Glory seems to really like tolerate <laughs> Ben's quotidian life. Yeah, and, as you said, in a way that doesn't mess it up for him. But it's like, if I were Glory, I wouldn't care. Like, do the minions take care of it all? Yeah, and like, well, we don't know how long this has been going on for either. But I'm just saying, like, often he's like transforming at the hospital therefore they're probably like oh shit ben was supposed to go get those needles or something where are they (laughs) you know um at warren's parents i said cute little bungalow house from the outside uh warren is packing up and his girlfriend is like we just got here (laughs) and if you don't want to be here why didn't we stay in dutton or 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 we can go to my sister's and warren says katrina i don't want to hear about your sister's place again pack your stuff now this guy seems Great. I love this guy. Yeah, this all off the bat. We're we're off to a good start. Katrina says, is there something going on that you don't want me to see? And Warren's like, Katrina, if you don't pack that spine, we can buy you new stuff. Now let's go. And he opens the front door and Buffy is there. And she says she needs to talk to him. And Warren's like, is this about her? And Buffy says, yep. And Katrina is like, who is this? Like something's going on here. All these strange girls. And Warren says, Katrina 
Be quiet. This is important. Shut up, woman. Katrina, shut your whore mouth. <laughs> he doesn't say that. But he says, th- he says, go wait in the kitchen. <laughs> and make me a sandwich. While you're, while you're in there, make me a sandwich. Make sure it's Dijon mustard, bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. So Katrina is like, I'm not important. Clearly, she's not. <laughs> and she's like, Warren, tell her to go away. And Warren's like, she can't. And Katrina's like, you're keeping secrets from me. Other girls and who knows what. And Warren says, Katrina, shut up. <laughs> okay. So Katrina, she's like, oh, forget it. I'm gone. And she leaves. Good. <laughs> okay, go, Katrina. Run, run, Katrina. And Buffy comes in and she introduces herself. And Warren says he knows who she is. And we don't know how he knows we don't know how he knows she knows well, we know. she asks. She's like, I'm Buffy Summers. We were at Sunnydale High together. Do you know who I am? Yeah. And he's not surprised that she's there. He's not surprised that... I think he knows she's the Slayer. Yes, that's what I, I gathered. Yeah. She kind of like just assumes that everybody who went to high school with her knows. <laughs> you know who I am, right? <laughs> Class protector. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> you don't know who I am? Ooh, I wish one day I could pull that. So <laughs> Vorn asks if April hurt someone. And Buffy says, not yet. But none of that matters. And Warren says, she's looking for me. She followed me here. And Buffy's like, yeah, yeah, I figured that out. And Warren says, there's something you don't know about her. And Buffy's like, I know. He's like, no, 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 it's important. And she's like, yeah, believe I worked it out. <laughs> and he's like, this is something you couldn't possibly know. She's a robot. And Buffy's like, uh-huh. <laughs> right? You can't possibly know this, you dumb blonde girl. You stupid Katrina. <laughs> So we hate Warren. <laughs> Warren sucks. I hate Warren so much just from this one one and little scene. We're meant to hate Warren, which is something I'm going to get into in a bit. But yeah, we hate Warren. <laughs> we go back to the Scoobies who are at the magic box and they're telling Don about the robot. And Don is asking if it's like Ted because she always thought there'd be more of him. And I love the callback. I love the callback to Ted. I love that another episode where Joyce is, where, that's about Joyce's dating involves a robot that's hilarious spike runs in and there's fire on his blanket and he puts it out and the scoobies are all staring at him and he's like what's going on and giles oh giles in the scene giles in the scene giles says spike you're not welcome here and willow says by the way we're working on a way to de-invite you from here even if it is a public place and Xander says, nah, forget it. Letting him in is good because then we can throw him out. And Anya's like, ooh, can we throw him out like he, like he got thrown out the window by that robot? <laughs> that would damage the store, Anya. Well, thank God Xander's there. Uh, so Spike says, robot, that's what she was? I knew something wasn't right. He sees Don and he says, someone's glad to see me, aren't you, a little bit? And Don says, stay away from me. Tara says, I think you'd better go. So every Scooby has spoken. Get the fuck out. And Spike says, I was afraid of this, misrepresentations, misunderstandings, slurs, and allegations. I don't know what Buffy told you, but the thing is, Slayer and I worked together, side by side, to get rid of Drew, who was up to no good. Giles interrupts the lies. Giles takes off his glasses. Mm -hmm. And I say this as an asexual. I don't think there's anything sexier than a man Giles' age taking off his glasses like that. Damn. Yeah, this is hot because Giles is fucking standing up. Spike says, I'm trying to explain. Like, she might have said some things that sounded like I expressed some kind of feelings for her. And Giles shoves him violently against the shelves. <laughs> and he says, uh, he is so serious. And he says, we are not your friends. We are not your way to Buffy. There is no way to Buffy. He And he picks up a blanket and he, he says, clear out of here. And Spike, this thing, 
get over it. And Spike says, I don't know what you mean. And Giles says, yes, you do. Move the hell on. And Spike leaves as Giles glares after him. <sighs> the way that Tony had delivers those lines. This is something I, re- I really admire about him and, and people who've seen him in other roles. Um, he was in an episode of Doctor Who where he played the villain of the, the episode alongside David Tennant. He was in the TV show Merlin. He's really good at playing bad guys. You know, he's on Ted Lasso now as a, a bad guy. He's really good at being smarmy or slimy, or in this case, threatening. Mm-hmm. There is something about the way that he talks. He brings his voice down. He sounds dangerous. He sounds like, you know, he's he's like this thing, get over it. And Spike's like, I, you know, Spike's trying to bluff. Spike's trying to be like, I don't think that you're threatening at all. Because when I was watching this, I was thinking back to the Yoko factor and how Spike was not respecting Giles back then. And part of it was he was he was putting on this thing for for Adam and stuff. But like Spike and Giles used to be roommates. right? Yeah. And during that time, I think Spike felt so comfortable that by the time we reached the Yoko factor at the end of season four, he was able to, to talk to Giles in a very condescending tone and be like, I need this deal to be with Buffy. I need to hear it from her. And Giles didn't really push back effectively against that. Fast forward now to the middle of season five, and this is a very different Giles. He's got his own magic shop. He's got his retroactive salary from the Watchers Council. He is, he's got his mojo back, and we can see it here because he takes those glasses off. And in that moment, he goes from friendly fuddy-duddy librarian watcher dad giles to oh this is daddy giles and <laughs> daddy. he is not taking your shit and, and spike sees it because that's the only thing spike re- respects right is spike is a predator and he respects other predators we saw that with spike and drusilla spike and angel right he only backs down if the person well, we've seen it with spike and buffy too he only backs down if the person he's talking to can give him a beatdown. And that's what Giles is doing here. But he, Tony Head's delivery is so smooth. The implicit threat of violence is so subtle there. I love it. I'm marinating <laughs> Well, and we've talked before about Giles's view on the world and how he is not as black and white as let's say Buffy or some of the younger Scoobies. He lives in a world of gray. He's okay with pushing boundaries. He's okay with understanding the darker side of the work that they do. And sometimes that means you got to get your hands dirty. So I think Spiker's recognizing here in Giles and his glare and the way that he's acting toward him, that of all the people in this building right now, Giles is the closest to staking him and he could do it. Yes. Yes, like, it's a threat. Of all the men in this episode, yeah. Giles is the only one Giles is the man. actually standing up for Buffy. Yes. In a productive way. Yes. He's the man. And all the other Scoobies are just standing there. I think what what we need to take from this as well is that Spike is seeing that there are consequences to what happened in Crush. And you know what? This uh, the show is not very good with giving men consequences at all. So, it's nice to see at least the Scoobies have been told what happened and they do have Buffy's back. None so much so as Giles. 
But even Don, who was very, who had a crush on Spike last episode, who stood up for Spike, was like, oh, he's chipped, therefore he's fine. They've all come to Buffy's defense here. They're closing ranks. Yes, yes. And they're like, it's so true. You can't use us anymore to get to Buffy right. the way you want to. And that uh, that is the consequence, Spike, of your disgusting, perverted behavior. Yes. Sorry, I, I think the way I, sa- I said it in a, a moment ago made it sound like I was making fun of the other Scoobies for just standing there. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, was like, they are just standing there. Like, they are not making excuses. They're not treating Spike like the harmless pet that they've been treating him like. No, so far, right? no, no. They they let Giles speak for them because he's the authority. He's the dad. Um, and they're, you know, as you said, united behind him and united behind Buffy. And they also because he got physical, right? So the fact that they're all there, I think Spike is also like, oh, well any one of them could stake me but like pff, giles is literally like one sentence away from doing it and i wish spike said one more thing but he didn't he leaves so april goes to a coffee shop this is a random scene she goes to a coffee shop and she's asking this group of guys she's like you know have you seen warren and the one guy's like oh you're looking for warren well you just missed him he just he's over there you're like hurry up you'll catch him she's like thank you i've been getting very tired and she goes and the one guy's like who's warren and the guy's like hell if i know <laughs> and then they all like bro laugh and that's like the end <laughs> so the episode was short by a few minutes <laughs> i'm guessing by a minute i don't know so give us more fight <laughs> uh so okay buffy's still at warren's getting his story right she's like so you have girl troubles and by the way buffy's great in this scene i love how annoyed mm-hmm. she is she's like so you have girl troubles they're not talking to you you're not getting dates so you start thinking hey this isn't fair and warren says well i felt like i deserved to have someone everyone deserves to have someone mm, i'm gonna stop you right there warren you don't deserve shit no one deserves shit you don't deserve to have somebody correct if you find somebody that's great for you that's really great you don't deserve to have that person Women are not objects, Warren. Like, it's the beginning of the conversation, and I'm already going off on this guy. It's okay. Uh, so, Buffy says, so naturally you turn to manufacturing. <laughs> she's so good. She's like, how long did it take to build that little toy? Warren says, she's not a toy. I know what you're thinking, but she's more than that. I made her to love me. She cares about what I care about. She wants to be with me. She listens to me and supports me. I didn't make a toy. I made a girlfriend. You're not making it better for yourself with each sentence that comes out of your mouth. You're saying she's not a toy. You're yep. saying that she's a person. And now you're treating her this way, Warren? <laughs> oh, Warren. <laughs> my, my. My, my. So Buffy says, are you in love with her? And Warren says, I really thought I would be. She's perfect. I don't know. I guess it was too easy and predictable. She got <sighs> boring. She was exactly what I wanted. And I didn't want her. I thought I was going crazy. And Bobby says, really, you? Okay, <laughs> okay, but I have to stop here for one hot second because what Warren just described that as is like, oh, I got bored. I thought she was what I wanted, but it wasn't. Are they trying to parallel that with Buffy's feelings with Riley? That's a very interesting question. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't know. I didn't spend too much time thinking about how the show parallels Buffy's breakup and her processing of the breakup with the Warren and April thing. Mm -hmm. Like I know you mentioned it earlier that just didn't really cross my brain when I was watching the the episode. And maybe that's just because I don't really pay attention to the romance stuff as much. Um, So I'm not saying you're wrong. I think we could make an argument that that is true. I think you could argue 
that there's a connection there. I just, I didn't really think about it. Yeah, I just, when I, when the way that it comes about, the way Buffy invests herself so deeply into April's trauma, like April, what April's going through, I just had to wonder if like she's sympathizing with what Riley went through, the way that Buffy treated Riley, the way she thinks that people are saying she treated Riley. Yeah, I just, I'm just seeing Buffy in this scene and in the later scene with April as a champion for women, right? Like she's standing up for women here because the thing that really stood out to me is Buffy is so fucking sassy in this scene. (laughs) Really? You? (laughs) And so good. I think that we have to remember that a lot of women would not be this sassy in this scene with somebody like Warren, right? She literally just says, really you, you seemed crazy. (laughs) He could go off on her. They're in his house or his parents' house, right? Like she's all alone with him many women would feel uncomfortable in this scene. Buffy doesn't because as we established two episodes ago, right? Power. She has it. Yes. They don't. Mm-mm-mm. Buffy, part of being the slayer, right? Is this, it's this fantasy. Um, it's a power fantasy created by a man, of course, but you know, of, you know, what if you as a woman were strong enough that you didn't have to be afraid mm-hmm. of men mm-hmm. in that way? And so we have to remember this implicit power dynamic, which Buffy subverts um, and even inverts because of her Slayer power. She's coming into this moment being like, I don't have to take Warren's shit. And I really like that. And, and you know, I'm not trying to disparage somebody like Katrina and devalue her. She stood up to Warren as well, and she left, and that was the right call. But in this moment, right, Warren is getting increasingly unhinged as the scene goes on. And I can only imagine how for a woman without Slayer power backing her up, that would become an increasingly dangerous situation. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we love Buffy's attitude in this. And um, Warren is saying that Katrina was in my engineering seminar. She was really funny and cool. She was always giving me a hard time, real unpredictable. I fell in love with Katrina. Okay, Joss Whedon. Okay. <laughs> I was about to say you that. Really? Thank you. <laughs> Knowing what we know now about Joss Whedon yeah. and his proclivities, this is a Joss Whedon origin story. <laughs> right? Where he's like, like all these hot girls around me. But then this girl was like really mean to me. She was really like different and smarter than me. And she gave me a hard time. Therefore, I got on my knees for her. You know? Like, oh. So Buffy's like, swell. <laughs> She's like, but first you decided to take April out of her box, play with her for five minutes. Then what? You got bored, decided to dump her, tell her to go away. And she got mad. And Warren says, I didn't so much dump her as much as I went out and didn't come back. I left her in my dorm room. <laughs> okay, Warren. Buffy shook by this. Do you hear this. the words coming in? Like this, this is, I'm going to go off too in this scene, Steph. We're nice. going to be here for a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> This is what I love about this scene. Because once again, we are we're we we're hating on Warren. I am not hating on the writers here. I think this is so well done. Yes. Um, and in many ways ahead of its time in terms of a feminist lens talking about consent and sex and power and stuff. In this scene, Warren is he's so good at deceiving himself, right? He says these things like you know, I just left and I didn't come back. And there is zero guilt. There's zero self-awareness. Yep. Because men, men, like, like Ward thinks like he could just do whatever he wants and there's no consequences because that's how he's being raised in this society. He already said, I deserved her. I deserve yeah. this. 
it's the entitlement. Yes. And it's the way that he's he's saying all of this and the words are coming out of his, his mouth. And at no point does he ever stop and say, oh, now that I say it out loud, that really sounds bad. Yeah. Wait a second. This is kind of creepy and incel-like. Yeah. He says, I figured I could just go away until our batteries gave up, which should have been days ago. And Buffy's like, you didn't tell her? Did you even give her a chance to fix what was wrong? And Warren says, no, her batteries were supposed to run down. She's recharging them somehow. And Buffy asks him if she's dangerous. And Warren says, she's programmed to be in love. So Buffy says, okay, then she's dangerous. Any idea where I can find her? Warren says, she's looking for me. So I guess she's probably close by. So you use the word incel, which that's why I was saying this episode and this scene in particular is ahead of its time. Because of course... The, the idea of an incel with that language is more recent than this episode. It's kind of prophetic in a way, <laughs> yeah. which is not good. Um, yeah. You know, although I, I maybe this is a little bit of a stretch. People can disagree with me on this. I kind of think that Joss Whedon has a little bit of guilt to bear, like a little bit of complicity in... The rise of the incel movement. Mm, interesting. He's a like, leader, leader. <laughs> no, no. But something that I said in our Joss Whedon on trial episode was I was kind of connecting the dots between how Joss Whedon has been an architect of the rise of nerds popularity. Nerds used to be picked on and bullied, which is what incels often claim, right? Is, oh, you know, we're bullied. We're, nobody likes us. We're unpopular. And they often identify with nerd and geek culture. And, and in many cases, that was true. And it still is true in some cases. But looking at what's mainstream now, like Marvel, DC, lots of science fiction and fantasy, we're making all these shows about video games. Nerd culture has gone mainstream. And Joss Whedon was at the helm of that for a lot of things, right? He had his fingers in a lot of productions. He, he worked on... Uh, Marvel and DC movies, Joss we and and with Buffy, right? Joss Whedon became cool as the show became popular. He became popular. He is the stereotypical embodiment of some of these guys, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. In terms of his physique and what he looks like, and so people saw him as this role model in a sense. And, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, right? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a clever person like Joss Whedon getting props and kudos for his success, right? He is a very good uh, creator in that sense. Uh, there's just other stuff about him that's less savory. But Joss Whedon helped make nerd culture cool and popular. And that contributed to this entitlement, is my theory, that we're now seeing in incel characters like Warren, even though he's, it's anachronistic to say that. But yeah, this is the incel ideology, right? Is, as you said earlier, he thinks he deserves uh, to be loved, especially sexually, like physically, yeah, physically, by a woman. The, the cherry on top of that, if you will, is he doesn't feel the need to reciprocate. Well, he's not seeing women as people at all. Exactly. He, he literally yeah. built a fake woman. And let's not forget that as, as we're on the topic of Joss Whedon, and I know he didn't write this episode, uh, but he o oversees these scripts very closely, right? Um, don't forget that the Scoobies, like the women were sympathizing with him. Tara and Willow both sympathized with him in this episode, as did Xander. 
being like, oh, it's kind of lonely. It's kind of lonely to be him. I have to give credit to Adam Bush, who plays Warren. I think he plays this character really well because we don't too well. Him. He, yeah, he comes across so skeevy. Yes, he he's getting progressively unhinged in this scene to the point where like it makes me uncomfortable. Right, like I was saying, if I were in Buffy's shoes, I don't know that I could stand up to him as much as I feel like I'm a very assertive person. I'm feeling uncomfortable in this moment, which is good in the sense that I think the scene is doing its job mm-hmm. of showing us that people like Warren are supposed to be the bad guys. I don't feel sorry for incels <laughs> no. at all. No. I, no. I, I'm not, and I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm not going to mince my words with this. If you don't see women as people, if you think that you are owed sex or romantic love, if you think you're owed anything from somebody that they're not willing to give you in return for the same respect, then... You need to do some serious self-reflection here. And Warren's not capable of that, right? I would even go so far as to say, and I don't like doing armchair diagnoses, Warren is a narcissist. I feel that way too. All he cares about is himself. Yeah. He's only thinking about himself and what he deserves and what he doesn't have. And then when he doesn't have it, he builds it. So let's get to the park because Katrina Katrina is running into April and April brings up the fact that she's looking for Warren and she's like, how many of there are you? Like Katrina and April's like, there's only me, April. (laughs) So Katrina says, listen up, April. Warren is my boyfriend, mine. Really? Katrina, shh, shh, shh. Don't admit that out loud. Um, She's like, others probably ought to figure that out. And April grabs katrina and like start cho- like holding her really tightly from behind and she's like you know you have to tell the truth he cannot be your boyfriend say he's my boyfriend and katrina's like i can't breathe i can't breathe ah. I, katrina girl why why are you still hung up on warren being your boyfriend why do you think you can salvage this he seems like an awful guy and this is what i'm wondering is like could we have the flashback to where warren met katrina what does she see in him? The, the very fact that earlier he told her to shut up and go to the kitchen. And now here she is being like, he's mine. <laughs> like, okay. Okay. Oh, Katrina. Well, also, here's Spike, who appears to be looking like he's moving on, right? Because he's throwing all of his shrine memorabilia, the pictures of Buffy, uh, her wig. <laughs> he's throwing it all into a box and he's saying, bloody right, I'll move on. Speaking of incels. Speaking of the kings of incels. <laughs> so... Warren and Buffy are looking for April in the park and Warren is shouting for her. And he says, if she, if she hears my voice, she'll answer. And Buffy is disgusted. And she's like, she's voice activated. And Warren says, if she hears me and doesn't answer it, it causes this kind of feedback. And Buffy says, so you call her and she doesn't answer. It hurts her. And then she says, you're one creepy little dweeb, Warren. <laughs> so again, this is where I, I made my note where I was like, We're not here to shame people who enjoy sex toys, not at all. However, sex toys that are made sentient, made to feel pain if they don't do what you want them to do, there's a lot of problems in that. And we have a long season ahead of us. We got more season to come, but we can talk about this longer. But I just, the, the sex bot issue is a big one on this show. I also just want to bring up the whole Joss Whedon thing one more time here. (laughs) 
Sorry if I'm harping on this. So a lot of people are aware that Joss Whedon, after he did Buffy and then Firefly, uh, Angel and Firefly, he did another show called Dollhouse. And it ran for two seasons on Fox. It's essentially this concept. It's slightly different, right? But it's essentially another variation on this idea of programmable people. And so it's interesting to me that this seems to be a recurring motif in Whedon's works. We see it here. We see it with um, the characters of Dollhouse, the dolls, if you will. Um, we see it with other characters here and there in his franchises, like um, River and Firefly. Even in The Nevers, uh, R.I.P. The Nevers, there, there's underlying elements, I would say, of this idea. And it's, it's an interesting premise. I have to give him that, right? It's an interesting science fictional premise, and it definitely gets to ideas of philosophy of mind and selfhood and sentience. But the fact that a straight, cis, white guy, knowing what we apparently know about his life, keeps coming back to making shows that are basically like, yeah, women, but are they people? <laughs> Can we program them? Red flag. Red flag. Can we make <laughs> them do what we want them to do? As Xander said yeah, earlier. Yeah, he keeps at, he keeps asking this question over and over in every TV show he makes as if he's hoping he'll get a different answer one day. Yeah, and it literally makes you sick to think that it's in this particular TV show, which was like praised for being feminist and po girl power. And then we got this storyline. And it's not the end of the storyline. Minor spoiler there. So, okay. So Buffy's creeped out by him as she should be. He calls for April and April's like, Warren, where have you been? And she's holding up an unconscious Katrina by the neck. And I literally thought she killed her. I was like, oh my God, she killed Katrina. And um, Warren is just like, uh, put her down, give her to Buffy. So Buffy gets Katrina, puts her on a bench and Buffy's like, She's alive. <laughs> so that's good. Um, April is asking why Warren went away. Was it a game? Did I do something wrong? I waited a long time and you never came back. A long time. I made you five sweaters. I'm assuming she'd knit those. <laughs> I would hope so. From what though? I wonder what pattern she used. <laughs> I want more info. I was, I was really mad when I heard that line. I got really distracted. I was knitting while I was watching the show. I got really distracted. I had to like pause and go back because I'm just like, I got really hung up on imagining April sitting in the dorm room, knitting him sweaters. Like, where'd she get the yarn? Uh, what pattern did she use? Like, I'm just thinking about all this. I really, I got really upset at the episode for just, that was such a throwaway line. Yep. They're like, nobody's going to care about this joke. I care. <laughs> <laughs> Threw me off my group. You're like, we need to know more about these sweaters. Uh, Warren says, that's great. You, get, you can go back and get them. Wait there. <laughs> and Buffy says, no. Like, Warren, you have to tell her and do it right. So Warren starts to tell her, like, April, I made a mistake. And she's like, you can't make mistakes. You're a god. <laughs> yeah, you're my god. You're my sex god. Warren says, I did. I thought that I made you all I wanted, but it wasn't what I really wanted. I'm sorry, but it's over. And we see from April's point of view in her robot head, um, like a screen that she's like computing what he's saying. And you notice on the right column of like this computer folder thing, notice. there's listed uh, folders and they're called kissing listening sympathetically, give him presents, sex one to four, praise, neck rubs, fetishes one to three, and an unnumbered amount of positions for sex. Which which 
Which fetish is your favorite? Fetish one, fetish two, or fetish three? <laughs> I guess, well, I guess you'd have to go through all of them and then pick your fave. Fair point. <laughs> so April says, uh, April says, I can be whatever you want. I love you. I'll do whatever you want. Would you like a neck rub? And Warren's like, no, no, no. I, I know that you love me, but the truth is I can't love you. It's not your fault, but I don't love you. And then he shouts, I love her. And he points at Buffy, this fucking asshole. This <laughs> guy's just getting better and better. So the screen in April's head goes green. It's like combat mode because she's been enabled. Why does she have that mode? Why did you give her combat mode? Jealous girls are hot, Kara, obviously. Oh. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So April growls, and Buffy's like, You made her so she can growl. <laughs> So April and Buffy start fighting, right? Buffy gets thrown across the park at one point. Um, Katrina wakes up. She's like, wakes up and sits up. And, and she's like, that's a robot. <laughs> I was going to make a joke about getting caught up here, Katrina. But it's also like, poor Katrina, go to the hospital. You have a concussion. You probably have like bruised vertebrae. Broken spine. Warren says it wasn't just for just for sex. If you ever have to say that, though, that's not good. You've lost. Yeah. You've lost the conversation. If you ever have to say it wasn't just for sex, you've lost the conversation. My advice to Katrina is to run as fast as you can in the opposite direction of this man. I don't think she can run at this point. Is to crawl. (laughs) So somehow get away from this man. And she tries to. She runs. She runs away and Warren follows her. So April appears to be winning the fight. At one point, she lifts Buffy up by her neck and she says, you took my man. I'm going to kill you. I can't. I can't. I can't crash. So, so tired. And she starts letting go of Buffy because her battery is wearing out. And she she's like, Warren, where are you? What's happening to me? So the next scene. I want to say this is the saddest fucking scene of the episode, except it's not. There's no fucking way it is. But it should be. It should arguably be. So the two girls are just on a swing set. And Buffy's like waiting for her battery to die. And she says, you know, can you cry? Sometimes I feel better when I cry. But but there might be rust issues. And April says, crying is blackmail. Good girlfriends don't cry. Oh wow. So Warren's the worst. <laughs> like Warren is truly the worst. Because he had to program all this into her. Yes. This is before the age of machine learning algorithms where she'd <sighs> learn this by being trained on a massive data set of porn or whatever. Warren had to program these algorithms by hand. These are artisanal algorithms. Oh my god. The perfect girlfriend doesn't cry. So April is going over her files in her head or whatever. She's like, I've rechecked everything. I did everything I was supposed to do. I was a good girlfriend. I'm only supposed to love him. If I can't do that, what am I? What what do I exist for? And Buffy says, she doesn't know. It isn't fair. He wasn't fair to you. And April says, you know, it's getting dark. It's it's so early to be getting dark. And Buffy's like, yeah. And I was like, interesting. That's an interesting line for Buffy to be like, yeah. Because are things about to get dark, Kara? Who can say? So April says, what if he comes back and he can't find me in the dark? And Buffy's like, I'll make sure he finds you, you know? And April says, this is this is a girlfriend test. If I wait here patiently this time, maybe he'll come back. And Buffy lies, lies, lie to me, Buffy. Buffy says, I'm sure he will. He'll tell you how sorry he is. He told me how proud he was of you and how impressed he was with you and how much he loved him. you loved him and tried to help him. He didn't mean to hurt you. <laughs> Buffy, you're so sweet. Buffy, here we have Buffy treating this thing like a person, right? Warren made her and abused her. She can feel pain. 
Buffy knows that she's a robot. Buffy could have just left her. Buffy could have snapped her her robot neck, right? Like she did with Ted. Like she didn't. And and that's what makes Buffy a hero is she has so much compassion even for this machine that she's sitting here. And I see what you've been saying about how I think maybe Buffy's seeing herself in April. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least she's seeing, um, she's getting a more perspective over her own relationship by watching the way Warren treated her, right? right? My question was just like, I'm not sure which side she thought that she was on. But I do think at this point, she's relating to April and being like, this isn't your fault. He didn't mean to hurt you. Like all these things. I think she's talking to herself at this point. Mm. And April is slowing down. Um, and she's like, he's going to come and take me home and things will be right again. When things are sad, you just have to be patient because every cloud has a silver lining. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. And things are always darkest before. And then she kind of like shuts down. Um, but I was like, before what? Before what? The dawn? <laughs> Is that another foreshadow thing too? Things are about to get dark. I, we heard it twice in this little speech. So she's dead now and Buffy just sits there thinking, right? This next scene is Xander <laughs> fixing the dorm window why <laughs> yeah that's it that's a legit question i had it's like so he, did he get hired did he volunteer to do this for free do the guys who live there know that he fixes things why is he doing it at night <laughs> he snuck in there with buffy is to it, do it is it i don't think it's night i think it's daytime wait it's dark out no yeah because like the the april was saying it's getting dark and then no, no, during no, no, the no, no, scene no. it's dark it's getting dark because she's shutting down. No, no, but in this scene, it's dark out. There's there, there's a window. There's no sun coming through it. It's just dark. Oh, it was sunny. Because when Buffy comes home later, it's sunny. I know. That's why my note at that point is, what the hell time of day is it? Where was she all night? <laughs> I think it's sunny. I think I, I don't. We'll have to go back and look. I was under the impression it was <laughs> evening now. Yeah, check the tape. Someone go back and rewind it. Um, the point is, he's fixing the dorm window and for what? So Buffy is sitting with him. And Xander's just talking about window, like, fixing, right? And um, he says, um, I, it turns out he's somebody you want around after a crazy robot attack. And I was like, wow, Xander, there you are admitting finally that you're useful for once. Like, you finally found a use for the Scooby gang. And this isn't even, like, one of your houses or the magic box. This is just a random dorm that you're going to fix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Poppy says um, she wasn't crazed. She devoted everything to making this one person happy. And then it was like... With him gone, there was no reason for her to exist anymore. And Xander says, robots are the strangest people. And Buffy says, people are the strangest people. Look at me, obsessing over being with someone. I don't need a guy right now. I need me. I need to get comfortable being alone with Buffy. Yes, Buffy, yes. And Xander says, she's a pretty cool person to be alone with. Shut up, Xander. So (laughs) it's a nice thing to say, but I'm annoyed with him because he's the reason she was feeling so insecure. So one of the reasons why I thought it was still um, light out was because I noticed the lighting in this scene. And I just, I don't know if maybe that was just the the picture quality. The scene seems very like, um, brightly lit, but as if sun is streaming through the the room, so that everything's kind of washed out. A little bit of soft focus going on. Maybe it was the lighting in the room, but made me think it's nighttime. I was like, this looks weird. Yeah, but to, so to me, I interpreted that as like the light is coming back into Buffy's life. Oh, you know, she's been feeling so down this whole episode, and now the light is coming back in, um, and everything's kind of soft, and she's having this conversation with Xander. Here's my question for you. 
Why is she not having this conversation with Willow? Why is Xander getting all the girl talk in this episode? I'm offended. Yeah, well, we talked about this in Crush. Remember I said, oh, it's so great that she's talking to Willow. But then Willow gave her like weird advice. And like, <laughs> and uh, I was like, ugh. Yeah. So I guess Xander is the person. But like, no, no, no. Talk to Xander's Tara. subbed in. Talk to Tara. No, it's so true. Xander's getting all the girl talk. Even at last episode, the episode before that, we're like, stop talking to him. Stop talking to him. Talk to your girlfriends. But then that kind of backfired in our face. <laughs> I just I just feel like this is a Willow convo. Absolutely. This should be her and Willow eating cookie dough ice cream in bed together. But we're like, not going to give Willow a storyline this season. There's no point. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, oh, sorry. I forgot we don't want that. to. We're going to give Xander his storyline instead. <laughs> but we're going to make Xander a savior. But what I want to say is I'm really proud of Buffy here. I do yes. think she is completely accurate here. She needs to take some time for herself. She doesn't need to bounce into another relationship with another cornbread, milk toast, oatmeal cereal man, you know? Right, because so Riley was the rebound boyfriend, so Ben, the sexy murder intern, would be the rebound, rebound boyfriend, right? Yeah, well, he would be a step up because he's a doctor. <laughs> and no, he's sexy, he, sorry, sexy. Is he a doctor or is he, is he already a doctor? Is he Dr. Ben? Yeah, because <laughs> he... We should call him Dr. Ben, the sexy murder intern. Oh, another title for this man. Yeah, like I and again, this show loves making Buffy melancholy when she's single for too long. But I love, this is the first time we've really ever seen her. Instead of being like, I give up on men because it's hard. She's actually saying here, <laughs> no, I can't make my whole life about dating somebody. I have to do this on my own. Well, and, and, and notice she's never given up on men and then immediately turned around and tried to build a sex bot. So. No, <laughs> interesting. Very interesting. So Buffy takes Ben's number out of her pocket. She she calls him and she leaves a message on his phone saying, coffee, I don't think this is the best time for me to be drinking coffee. I'm sorry. And and bye. And it wasn't Ben listening. It was Glory. And she's like, what? What the hell? <laughs> so Jinx is there. Not not drag. It's Jinx. I know. I'm so sad. I'm so sad. And, and Jinx is like, if I may, you're inconceivable. <laughs> this it appears like our ben tried to make a date with the slayer and glory's like a, a date with with the slayer like no he wouldn't work against me and then she's like she turned us down <laughs> i love uh, i love how like completely out there glory is yes right <laughs> like the cognitive dissonance of like oh he must be working against me and then in the same sentence being like Oh, but he t she turned us down. Yeah, we like, got rejected. It's a personal slight. <laughs> yeah. She's like, who wouldn't want us? Um, <laughs> so Warren is on the phone with Katrina at his house, as parents' house, I'm guessing, saying, so, so, look, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, give me a chance to explain. Yes, no, no, but listen, I'll do anything. Don't hang up. And then she hangs up. And he turns around and Spike is there holding a box of Buffy stuff, right? And he says, your mom let me in. <laughs> well, because he has to be invited in, right? So the show had to, yeah. This is so funny, though. <laughs> Warren, your mom let me in. I mean, she just, she subscribes to the Joyce Summers etiquette of, you know, if a random hot guy shows up, you let him in your house. Come on in, sir. Do, do we think that he had to bang Warren's mom? Definitely. Definitely. That's why, like, it gave Warren enough time to have this phone conversation. Um, but you notice it's also very dark here and Spike's walking around in the middle of the day. And that's why I'm just like, it's nighttime. It's evening. Like, Spike's just walking willy-nilly around. So Spike says, I'm placing an order. And Warren says, I'm not making any more girls. And Spike says, oh, yes, you are. And shoves the box at him. And he says, here's your specs. You're going to make her real good for me. <sighs> 
here we go. Okay, Strap. Here we go. <laughs> uh-huh. There are some who would argue that Spike is trying to be a better person. That the chip is somehow helping Spike become a better person. You know, <laughs> Spike doesn't have a soul. And therefore, some would say, he has a much harder time acting appropriately. Right? Mm -hmm. Not like that awful angel guy who had a soul and still broke Buffy's heart. And, you know, when he didn't have a soul, we still gave him a whole bunch of passes, especially you, Steph. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Keep going. But poor Spike is trying to be a better man right now so that he can be worthy of Buffy. I can't. I literally can't. But I want you to continue, but, like, we can't. <laughs> I can't. I cannot. <laughs> there was a time years and years ago where if you had asked me Spike and or Angel, right? If you'd asked me Bangel or Spuffy, I would have been like, I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> and just to be a hundred percent clear, I still don't really care. I am not pro Bangel here. But Every single time I watch this series over again, I become more and more anti-Spuffy. And it's because of shit like this. Spike is not a good person. And yes, we know that he doesn't have a soul. and But you, you cannot have it both ways. You cannot excuse his bad actions by saying he's a soulless demon monster. And then praise him for his good things because, oh, but he's trying to be good. It doesn't work that way. Either his soullessness is going to make him a monster, and therefore his good things, um, the goodness that he does, is rooted in opportunism. Mm -hmm. It can't come from goodness, right? He's not trying to be good. He is being good as a calculation. Yes. Or if you buy into Spike redeeming himself and trying to become a better man, and I, I'm sympathetic to that reading of the text, right? Um, you can make that argument, and it is a, a perfectly valid line of reasoning. By all means, you can read it that way. But if that is the way you see it, then we can't just write off the bad things he does as, well, soulless vampire. vampires will be soulless vampires. He's a vampire. What do you expect? Boys will be boys, right? Right? Am I right? It doesn't work that way. So this moment for me is where Spike has crossed a line that he can't come back from. And, and when I say that, I, I mean, I think Giles was correct earlier in the episode when he said, like, there is no way to Buffy, right? At this point, like, I'm not on board. This idea that we can launder Spike's reputation and then somehow he's worthy for Buffy. There's, he has done nothing, nothing in this series that has demonstrated that Buffy should feel affection for him. But this moment, the fact that Spike faced rejection right? He was told to get over it. He was told, Buffy's not going to date you. You should move on. And instead of accepting that, instead of, you know, maybe going away and working on himself, right? Maybe getting some self-help books, you know? His first reaction was to throw a tantrum and then locate, warn the sex robot guy, and place an order for what is clearly going to be a Buffy sex bot, his reaction to, well, you know, 
if Buffy's not going to love me back, I guess I'm just going to make a robot Buffy that's going to love me. And I can already hear <laughs> people composing their essays saying, well, you know, he's just fallen off the wagon, right? He was trying so hard to be good. And this, what do you expect? No right? one appreciated him trying. No one appreciated him that he tried with the troll. He tried to be on but their side. He helped Tara. <laughs> it comes down to this. Impact over intent, right? Mm -hmm. That is one of the most important principles when we talk about things like harm reduction. Spike's intentions here are less important than the impact of his actions. So regardless of the intentions that we assign to him, because unless, you know, he tells us something or it is so obviously implied by how he acts and that's, we, you know, we, we're still interpreting his actions, we can only ever really like speculate at his intentions here, regardless of those intentions. What is the impact here, right? How is this going to play out? If Buffy finds out about the sex bot, I don't see it going well for, for Spike. Does he think she's never going to find out, right? Like, does he think he can just carry on with the sex bot and then throw her away when Buffy inevitably falls in love with him? I, I don't know. But there is no good impact to this action. And in this moment, Spike is showing us that he does not see Buffy as a person. He doesn't see women as people. He never has. He has been a misogynist from before he lost his soul. And that is the bottom line here. Spike is a bad dude. As we outlined with Warren earlier, who thinks he is entitled to a woman's body, who said himself, I deserve somebody to be with physically and to love me. Spike is aligning himself with this man. He's not being like, you know what? Buffy really dug Angel who had a soul. Maybe I'll go to LA and try to make amends with him, even though I don't really mean it. Like, even though that's opportunist too, that's what he should be doing. But instead, he's lining himself up with Warren, who Buffy has been making fun of all episode. She's like, you're a creepy little dweeb. And this is the man that Spike is going to align himself with to cause more harm to Buffy. Because it's like you're saying, what is the impact here? People forget. Yeah, Spike has a really interesting arc. Spike's trying to redeem himself. Maybe, maybe not. What's it doing to Buffy? <laughs> What's he doing to Buffy right here? He's giving Buffy's specs. But Buffy hurt his feelings, Steph. He's just <laughs> lashing out. He's just a little, poor little hurt sad boy. Poor fucking Spike. Poor man. Can't wait to see how this blows up in his face, too. Maybe it won't, though. Who can say? Um, this is the very beginning of this storyline, and we have got a long way to go with it. And I love what you said there. I'm with you 100%. Sorry if it makes if we sound biased about not that. Sorry. sorry, not sorry. Let's get that out of our heads because we have a very last scene here. Buffy arrives home. Uh, and Steph has in her notes the iconic red shirt, pulled back hair, black scarf. We know yes. what this is. We know what this is. She comes in the door. She calls out, hey, mom. And she looks to her left. She notices there are flowers on the entryway table. There's a little note that says, thank you for the lovely evening. See you soon, Brian. And Buffy says, still a couple of guys getting it right. Good job, Brian. Great job, Brian. So 
Buffy hasn't heard back from Joyce. So she walks towards the stairs and she calls up the stairs and she says, Hey, flower getting lady. Want me to pick Donna from school? So what time of day is it, Steph? <laughs> Unclear. <laughs> I think it's noon. It must be around noontime is what I think. Oh, God. Uh, okay. So what we're seeing now as as Buffy says this, as she calls up the stairs, out of focus in the background of this shot, Joyce is lying on her back on the couch. Her eyes are clearly open. She's lying there. And Buffy isn't seeing this, right? So there's this moment of dramatic irony happening where us as the viewer, right, we're watching and the bottom falls out of your stomach and you're like, oh no. Oh no, no, no. This is one of the most tragic shots, if not the most tragic shot that we've seen in the show. Just Buffy calling up to her mom up the stairs and we see Joyce behind her and she doesn't notice her yet. This is heart-wrenching. This is tragic. So then Buffy calls out again, right? And she says, Mom. She turns around. She sees Joyce. Her face at first is blank because she, she's not able to process what she's seeing. She wasn't expecting it. She walks towards Joyce. And the camera is focusing on Buffy. So we're not seeing Joyce's body anymore. We're looking out from the living room to Buffy coming into the room. And Buffy has a curious expression on her face now. And she says, what are you doing? But her voice is already starting to break. You can hear how she's starting to sound childish because I think subconsciously she's already realized what's happened. We cut back to Joyce's body lying on the couch. She's staring straight up. This is a dead body. She's it pale. unambiguous. Yeah. yeah. She's pale. She, you know, this is not she's collapsed. This is not she's barely breathing she's going to come back she dead cut back to buffy mom mom mommy cut to black and that's the episode what an ender uh yeah oh god uh so this means that next week we are covering the body uh we're gonna find out what happens from here on after she says mommy <laughs> yeah this this is an iconic moment right yeah. like um i was watching a video i think it was buzzfeed uk was doing some press for sarah michelle geller because she's got a new series out Wolfpack, right which i haven't watched yet but i'm super excited um and they were doing like this thing where she watches moment like clips from her iconic roles and this was the, well, I think it was the start of the body, but this was the moment that they chose to feature. Of all the moments in all seven years of Buffy, this was the moment they chose to feature. And I think there's a reason for that, you know, um, and we'll get more into this next week. But I think what I want to say here is it's so interesting that they chose to end this episode on this cliffhanger where it's like, they didn't wait for this to start, you know, start off next week. They're like, no. After this sledgehammer mm -hmm. of an episode where we put Buffy through the emotional ringer vicariously through April, she's going to come home to find her mother dead. And then you got to wait until next week. Yeah. And the lead up to this too, right? Joyce was looking great 
she was feeling great. She was rebound. She was coming back. She, yeah. She was going on a date. She was really she was happy about that date. Then we had like the two scenes with, with Joyce and the girls where like, you know, where Joyce and Buffy like just teasing each other, having a great time. And that was it. <laughs> so yeah. So next week is going to be really, really heavy. It's going to be tough. Just be aware that that's we're going to be talking about that episode, the body, mm-hmm. and if that triggers you in any way, we're right there with you. It's going to be sad for us too, and we'll get through it together. But I just wanted to put that out there that hey, look after yourself, look after your mental health. If this is an episode that you might want to skip, power to you. Yeah. Who's um, your hero? Who's your hero? <laughs> <laughs> um, Buffy is my hero in this episode. Not Xander? Not the Xan man? <laughs> Not nice guy Xander? Uh, no. I think Buffy is a Buffy's a great choice. Buffy's a very good choice for all the reasons. I'm going to go Giles just to be a little different. Ooh, I think Giles, He was a know, good one too. Yeah. One of the few non-trash men. I mean, I, I think Ben was also okay for talking about men in this episode, right? Yeah, yeah. Ben was there. He respected Buffy's boundaries. Yeah. He, he was... He was a little pushy, but not unreasonably so, right? He was confident. Mm. We like that. Um, so I think Ben was modeling positive masculinity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, especially when he wore that dress. <laughs> but um, Buffy, like what you said earlier, right? Like just the way she embodies feminism in that one um, conversation with Warren. She stands out to him. She's the only one really that's being like, you're a creep. <laughs> And she's yeah. right. And again, she's voicing in this episode that she's not okay with what Spike did as much as some people would be like, she's faking it. She actually really likes him. Um, she did a good job there. Can we have a small in memoriam moment? Not for Joyce. We'll do, we'll, we'll do that next week. But for Willow the Feminist? Because do you remember last season, Willow v. Parker and how she excoriated Parker in Beer Bad? I remember Beer Bad very well. <laughs> right? Yep. It was one of the better episodes. It was, of the yeah, one of the greatest yeah. episodes of all time. <laughs> it's right up there with Where the Wild Things Are. <laughs> and definitely, definitely better than Top Triangle. <laughs> um, <laughs> Willow was fire in that episode, right? Yes. Yes. Willow has her moments. Um, but in this episode, she's reduced to being a female Xander when talking about this sex bot. And that doesn't sit right with me. Where is Feminist Willow? Where is, you know, she should have gone off on a little mini rant and got all indignant and have had the Scoobies go like, okay, okay, Feminist Willow. And we're not seeing that in her. And I feel like this season is character assassination for Willow. We've barely seen her all season. (laughs) And when we have seen her lately, it's been really annoying. Like when she was being a snobby rich girl toward Anya's job. Uh, stealing yeah, shit that's what i'm saying <laughs> yeah willow's not coming off well in this season and and many of the things that made her cute and adorable in season four and previous seasons but i'm just using the most recent season mm-hmm. as comparison they're not really present here and it makes me really sad because i i do love willow i've always really identified with her and as i've said i'm kind of more strongly identifying with tara this time around but I'm just really noticing that not only does she really lack that storyline like we were talking about, but now it almost feels like the writers are intentionally sabotaging her character. Yeah. Or for whatever reason, they're glossing over her. They're just, they're not giving her the time and day that she deserves that she's had in the past. All right. Would you like some hot steaks, Stephanie Chow? Can you feed me some hot steaks? Not cold steaks. I would like... No, I've freshly I've grilled kept these steaks warm. <laughs> Medium rare steaks, please. Oh, 
They, uh, they, I kept them in a bag for you. These are steaks in a bag. <laughs> That's the only way. In memory of Joyce, we keep them We're gonna in a bag. Miss, I'm going to just miss constantly talking about Joyce. No, don't, we can't talk about it yet, Car. Car, no, we can't sorry, talk about sorry. it yet. Okay. It's Just give me one more week. Come <sighs> on. All right. First hot steak is from Frankie. They say uh, about April in this episode. During my last Buffy rewatch, I decided to read Frankenstein. Excellent choice, Frankie. When I got to I Was Made to Love You, I noticed a lot of parallels between Warren and Victor Frankenstein, and April, and the monster. Warren created something for him to love, to immediately throw it away. April causes harm to people because she's alone. So there, you know, there's this parallel that Frankie's observing, right? Um, in the book Frankenstein by Mary Shelley, often cited as kind of like one of the earliest science fiction novels, um, Victor Frankenstein creates life from nothing using the, the modern miracle that is electricity. And the, the book being told from the monster's point of view, right? The monster knows that Frankenstein is his creator and is in fact kind of looking for his creator the way April is. And we can read the story as this tragedy that he was abandoned by his creator the way that April was. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was talking earlier about these kinds of recurring motifs. And I think, Frankie, you've really touched on a good point, which is so much of what we see in modern science fiction and fantasy has echoes of these earliest precursor works like Frankenstein. So thanks for pointing out that connection. Yes, thanks, Frankie. Our next hot steak is from Diana, who wrote in about Into the Woods. Diana is talking about uh, Buffy's decision to kill Riley's sucker, she calls him. The girl who gave him the suck job. Yes, it was cold and unjust, especially when you make the analogy that what she does is a metaphor for sex work. But I also think it speaks to the way betrayed spouses often turn their aggression to the affair partner unfairly. She refused to punch Riley when he asked her to do it, which represents his desire to be punished for cheating on her, yet ultimately killed the person he cheated on her with. I think that represents her dealing out of a sort of punishment to the vampire that she both does and doesn't wish to inflict on Riley because she loves him. It's a way of misdirecting her aggression because it's easier to think the cheating would never have happened if the other woman hadn't come around than to admit it was a choice Riley continued to make, or she fears the blame is on her, which for the record, it absolutely is not, but Riley tries his damnedest to convince her it is, and Xander's no help. So, great point, Diana. I agree, often we do look at the other woman as the issue here, and we forget that it is actually, in fact, the cheating partner that uh, made these mistakes. Not to say that the other woman mm. is or the other woman or other person is a good person for what they're doing, especially if they know that they're outwardly hurting mm -hmm. you. But absolutely, the aggression, the anger, the issues are with the partner, not the other person. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you for being with me on this journey, even <laughs> when we both get a little ranty staff. We've been doing nothing but rants lately. Season five is really... <laughs> Getting under our skins, eh? Yeah. And I hope our I hope our <laughs> listeners are loving it. Um, I especially hope our Buy Me a Coffee supporters are loving it because they're you know helping us do this show every week. And uh let's thank our chosen ones. Let's do it. Lizzie, Holly, Kayla, Brady, Jordan, Julian, Nicola, and Luis. Emma, Taza, Kyle, Destiny, Erica, Allison, Jace, Haley, and Tasha. All right. Bring your Kleenex boxes next week, everybody. See you then. Bye.
Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter. Also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca, where you can find the link to our Discord. Can't wait to hear from you. Praise Malik. See you next week.